0: It is the first Sunday of Advent, and church tradition, you say, what's Advent? Church tradition sets aside the four weeks leading up to Christmas as the Advent season. And Advent simply means the arrival of a notable person or a notable event or a notable thing. And so Advent is saying it's remembering that there's a big arrival coming. So each of the four weeks of Advent, um, we... We look at something pertaining to the arrival of Jesus at Christmas. So for each of the weeks, according to church history, I mean, I don't think these are really, no one's trying to say these are biblical, but they're just, they're just part that help us prepare for Jesus really, you know, we, we celebrate Christmas to remember Jesus is with us in our lives. So part of the advent is to say, what are the things we should look at? What should we focus on? in the weeks coming up to Christmas. And historically, there's been four themes for the four weeks leading up to Christmas. That week one is hope, week two is peace, week three is love, and week four is joy. And as part of those four weeks, um, one of the ways that church has tried to help people remember those and celebrate those, it was something called an Advent wreath. And we introduced you guys to this last year. matter of fact, last year we encouraged you to have Advent wreaths in your house and to talk about them around the dinner table and once a week light another candle. Um, and the Advent wreath, if you're unfamiliar with it, has four colored candles around the outside. Three of them are purple and one of them pink. The purple ones are to represent the first three weeks of Advent and they are supposed to speak to purple to the royalty of Jesus, that, that the king is coming, and that Jesus is royal. And then there's a pink one. And the pink one, I'm not sure why they would do this, I guess it makes sense, but pink was to, is to represent joy. And that to understand that that it's, that that it's the week before Jesus arrives, and that's the most joyous thing in the world. So it's saying, get ready, here he comes. And then the white one in the center symbolizes Jesus is coming. And the white one is typically lit, lit on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to light the first candle. And then every week what we'll do is we'll relight The first one, then week two, first and second, then go around. Then finally, for us, at the beginning of the Christmas Eve, because Christmas Eve this year is kind of odd. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. So in the beginning of the service, we will light the last of the outside candles, and at the end of the service, we'll light the white candle in the center. Because on Christmas Eve day, we're having a service in the morning, but no service in the evening, because we figured that none of you would come to church and then come back three hours later. and Because so, that's about the time it would be, about three hours later. And so we're having a Christmas Eve day service. So on that day, we'll light the, the, the last candle, and the, the second last candle in the beginning, and the last candle at the end. So the purple candle, the first purple candle, week one symbolizes hope. But hope in this context, hope in the connection to fulfilled prophecy. It's really what it's all historically always been about see, we have, to, we have to understand this, and I know you probably know this, and so some of you maybe haven't connected the dots. But the story of Jesus' birth, we think about a you know, little baby in the manger, and, and donkeys, and camels, and wise men, and all that stuff. And that story actually begins thousands of years before Jesus was born. That God, throughout history, church history, had made a promise to the people of Israel. That he would send a Messiah, a Savior, that would, that would save them from their sins. And for centuries, and the people didn't get what that meant, save them from their sins. They really thought it meant save them from oppression. Kind of like Moses saved people from the oppression of Egypt. And for centuries, God's people waited and they watched with hope for the Messiah to come. That's why it starts with hope. With hope that someday God's answer will come. And there's many prophecies about that, but one of the prophets who prophesied about the coming Savior, Messiah, was the prophet Isaiah. And he had a lot to say, but one one section, one verse, that I want to point out today, and we're actually going to look at it again later a little bit in the sermon, this is your pre-sermon sermon, sermon. Um, is Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 where it says this, It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. We're going to find in our sermon a little while that that's the very verse that the angel says to Joseph when he is thinking about putting Mary away because she's pregnant and never been married and the angel says, listen, This is the fulfillment of prophecy. And this little baby is Emmanuel. You see, Jesus wasn't just some good teacher. Jesus wasn't some really smart guy who figured out how to lead the masses. Jesus is God and Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. For centuries, God had said and people had hoped For the coming, for Jesus' coming, as he came, uh, coming according to the promises of God. So Christmas time is really intended, and the first candle represents this a time for renewed hope. I hope we're hearing that today, hope. That Christmas season, the Advent season, begins by helping us have renewed hope. Hope that the God. Who made the promise that said that the Messiah would come, and he did, that that same God will fulfill his promises in our life. And one of the most important promises that we remember at Christmas time that God said would happen, and Jesus himself said would happen, is that Jesus is going to come again. I said to Suzanne just the other day, I said, one of the, one of those, um, Epistles ends where it says, Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. And I said, I'm ready for it today. This world's a mess. You know, God's a good, good father, and he carries us through, but but Jesus is coming back and he could come back today, and that's one of the important promises that we remember at Christmas time, that, that Scripture promises, Jesus promised, that He is going to come again, that He's coming again, and when He comes again. He is going to establish His kingdom fully here on earth. New heaven, new earth. The new Jerusalem. He's going to restore all things. He's going to restore heaven. He's going to restore earth. He's going to restore our lives. He's going to heal all our brokenness. And you and I will become what we are always meant to become before sin entered the equation. Christmas renews our hope in the fact that that's our future. That we have a blessed future in Christ ahead of us. And no matter how hard things may be right now, as Christians, we have hope. Because Jesus, at Christmas, Christmas reminds us that God keeps His promises. And one of His promises is He's coming again. He's going to restore all things. That's a reason for hope, isn't it, church? Amen? That's a reason for hope so with thinking about hope the hope of Christmas today starting off the advent season starting off our Christmas season at Portview as um, thinking about hope let's take that and move now into the first of our Christmas messages that I want that we're going to be preaching um, during the month of December so today we're going to begin a short. Christmas um, series. And for the month of December, we're going to talk about kind of one thing, different aspects of one thing. And this is it. We're going to talk about being connected. You know, that what are we connected to in our lives? What things have our attention? What things have our energy? What things have our time? Because if you look at what's the most important, we can say all kinds of things are important to us. I can say that, because this isn't true, I could say that golf is really important to me. But I've golfed one time in the last ten years. So life would say golf's not important to me. What things take my attention, my energy, and my time? What are we connected to at Christmas? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a connected Christmas. And our hope is that as we think about what we are connected to, that we will make sure, because I'm responsible for me, everybody go like this, point at somebody by you. You know what we usually do when we do this? Some of you just can't do that in church. You're just like, okay, you know what we usually do? We're going, this is about you. No. How many fingers are pointing at the person next to you? How many are pointing back at you? Three. Three. This is about me. This is about me and what we're trying to say is let's look at ourselves and make sure that we are connecting to what's really most valuable in our lives. That we are connecting to what's most beneficial for our lives in Christ and maybe see our need to disconnect from some things a bit in order to make better or the best connections in our life. See, if we think about it, Christmas is ultimately about connection. And let me show you what I, what I mean from that. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1 with me. The Christmas story. Part of the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1. Should be easy to find. First book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 to 25. Let me read them for you. which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her as a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Look at that prophecy that Isaiah gave pertaining to Jesus. Verse 23. His name, it's is from Isaiah, His name shall be Emmanuel. And here he doesn't just stop there. Isaiah just said his name will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel. But Matthew explains it, which translated means God is with us. God is what? With us. And Matthew he explains what Emmanuel is. Emmanuel means Emmanuel means God is with us. Friends, the Christmas connection is all about God being with us. That's the real meaning of Christmas. God Himself coming to be with you and me. God Himself coming to be with mankind. See, Christmas isn't really about trees, although we have a tree up already. Anybody else ever buy a pre-lit tree? Dumbest idea in the world. It sounds smart the first year, but then the lights start burning out. And then you keep replacing them. And eventually, you can't even figure out what lights are out. So what you do is what you try to avoid doing. You go and you buy other strings of lights, and you put the new strings of lights everywhere. And we've done that so many times this year, this year, that I said at the end of Christmas, I'm taking all the extra strings of lights off, and I'm taking the side cutters, and I'm cutting all the wires off the tree of the pre-lit lights, and throwing them all away, and we're just going to go back to what we used to do, before we spent all the money on the prelit light, uh, pre-lit tree. Now, none of you have that real-world problem like I do. It's a first-world problem, but none of you have that. But Christmas isn't about trees. Christmas isn't about gifts. It's not about kids dressed up like shepherds in a church play, although next Sunday we're going to have a church play, and guess what there won't be any of? There won't be any shepherds. You've got to come and see it. We're doing something different. The church plays on Sunday morning instead of Sunday night, and, and the parties afterwards. And it's going to be called Out of a Box Christmas because, I won't tell you it all, but something gets messed up in the preparation as a storyline. And there's not shepherds and wise men. There's other things um, to tell the Christmas story. But ultimately, Christmas isn't even about cute little kids. This is what I told Wes and Dad when they're planning a Christmas play. I said, I don't care what it looks like. We just need the cute factor. And we need some kids to mess up. I said, because that's all that matters. Number one, the kids enjoy doing it. I said, don't you dare yell at the kids doing it help them do their best, have fun with them, love church, love Jesus and love church. And number two, just as long as they do something cute, we don't care. And so, so next week's going to be all about the Christmas message in a much cuter way than I can present it. But Christmas isn't ultimately about even cute kids in a Christmas play. Christmas is about the world-changing reality. Your world-changing changing your world, the world-changing reality that God is with mankind right now. He's going to come. Our hope is that He's going to come and make it all complete someday. But He promised when He left, He said, listen, I'm not going to leave you all alone. I'm going to send My Spirit and He will only be with you, He'll be in you. The hope of Christmas is that God is with mankind. He's with us. He's within us. You see, friends, for most religions, and a lot of people live Christianity just as a religion. And just like any other religion, they have, they have different they have doctrinal beliefs, but they don't even understand what it's about. I think many people live Christianity and don't even understand what it's about. And for most people who live a religious life, whether it's a Christian life or a non-Christian religious life, there is this idea of some type of deity. He's up there somewhere. And that deity is far off, And man must do something to appease the deity. Because somehow we believe the deity is upset with us. So we have to do sacrifices. We have to do good works. We have to give. We have to earn. And some people we have to strap bombs on our body and blow up infidels. That's religion. But Christianity is different. Christmas tells us that Christianity is different. We understand that God loves mankind. God's not mad At mankind. And we understand that God did something amazing at Christmas. The Bible calls it this He says, He condescended. You feel what that word? Jesus condescended. What it means is He came down to our level. He came from heaven to earth. He condescended. He left what He had in glory and He came down to our level. It's kind of the idea of when you're talking to a child, and I hope you do this with children at the church, that when you see them, you kneel on the ground and you look them eye to eye and you talk to them. I do it all the time with kids. It's condescending. Jesus condescended. God condescended. He came down to our level to become one of us, to be with us. It's about connection. Connection. Another word we use at Christmas is the incarnation. So Jesus condescended. What did he do when he condescended? He was incarnated. In other words, God came in the form of a human. He put on human flesh. Have you ever bought chili and you can't remember if it has meat or not? Chili con carne. What's chili con carne mean? Chili with meat. That's what the same, it's the same idea. In the in the incarnation, it's the same idea. It's the same root. That God is coming in human flesh, in human meat. That the baby in the manger, isn't just a cute little baby, the baby in the manger is the incarnation of God. God himself who condescended, who came down and emptied himself of all his greatness and limited himself and came in the form of a person. God coming to us. Why? To be with us. Friends, that's the Christmas message. That's um, what God wants for us. A connected relationship with each and every one of us. Not religion, but reality. A real relationship. Not religious duty. You don't have to strap bombs to your body and you don't have to sacrifice your life by going to the mission field. Although if God asks you to do it, do it. What you have to do is say, Jesus, I want to be with you. There's no sense in Christianity of having to placate an angry God. No. God has come to us because He loves us to be with us. It's connection. That's what Christmas is all about. And our hope in these next couple of weeks together, in our connected Christmas, our hope is that we can each find how to have some little bit better of a connected Christmas than we maybe would have had if we had not focused on what we're connecting to. That somehow our, connect, our Christmas connection with the real, risen reality living, living Jesus can be somehow more connected because of what we pay attention to over the next couple weeks. So for, these, for today and these next couple weeks, we want to think about our connection to the Christ of Christmas. And what I want to spend a few minutes today thinking about in relationship to that is to be, for us to do an honest assessment about what we are connected to. In fact, the idea for this entire series came out of a staff meeting where someone, one of their staff, suggested that we ask ourselves as we end the year, how are we redo, rega- doing regarding our connection to technology and media versus our connection to God? They said, we started the year that way. How about if we do an evaluation at the end? Matter of fact, there's a a slide that you might remember from the beginning of the year. Anybody remember that? Weapons of mass, what? Not destruction. Distraction. We started our year. Matter of fact, I preached that sermon sitting on a stool um, trying to talk after trying to die in an airplane in Germany. That was, that was how 2017 began, was, you know, dying on a plane and spending a week in a German hospital and recovering for a couple months afterwards, and the sermon I preached, sitting on a stool right here, because I couldn't stand up and I could barely talk, um, was about weapons of mass distraction. And we thought as a staff that the, the best way to begin to evaluate our connectedness at Christmas would be to revisit what we talked about and we began 2017 with. An evaluation of our technology and media connections for a reason. Not just because we've nothing better to do. But it's knowing that in order to really connect with Jesus at Christmas and all the time, we will probably have to do some disconnecting from some other things. And probably the, the, the hardest thing or the most significant thing that we probably have to do some disconnecting from is technology. Does anybody remember what we said way back then was the greatest weapon of mass distraction that's available to mankind today? Anybody remember? It's a long time ago. You got it, Jason. The smartphone. That the smartphone is the greatest weapon of mass distraction. I'm not saying you shouldn't use smartphones. I'm saying let's think how we use them and technology. We found this. Here are some numbers you might not remember from way back then. We found that young adults in America use their smartphones about five hours a day at 85 separate times. And that the average 8 to 10 year old spends nearly eight hours a day on some form of media and teens spend more than 11 hours a day on some form of media And that adults aren't far behind. And the only reason adults are behind is because we're forced to go to work. And a lot of us still spend all kinds of time on media at work. And a lot of times we're not supposed to, but we do anyways. Here's what we find. We are connected people. We're talking about a connected Christmas. We're connected people. It's part of humanity. Jesus came down to connect with us. is because we're connected people. It's how we live. The problem is that with so much media connection there is little time and energy for a God connection. So I've always looked at Christmas or other holidays as a divine interruption in our normal schedule to just ask us questions and to say, how are you doing regarding me? I think that's what's going on. So God says, how are you doing regarding your connection um, with me compared to your connection with media? And back in January, in an article that we looked at, by a guy named Andrew Sullivan. Matter of fact, the only time I've ever put on a sermon a link to an article, and some of you hopefully got that and downloaded it's still available. You can still go back to the beginning of the year, look at the message with that title, connected, uh, uh, Weapons of Mass Distraction? And, and download this article from the New York Magazine. In that article, we found that the author, Andrew Sullivan, said that the smartphone has become the greatest game changer in regards to our being constantly connected media. And he explained it like this, and I think he's right on. He said, where in the past, people would be engaged in activities and distraction, which is normal. It's humanity. You're not supposed to just sit as a lump on the floor 24 hours a day and not do anything. We're supposed to do some stuff. But in the past, where people would be engaged in activities and distraction, but then would disconnect between activities, doing simple things like um, driving in our culture, or walking in days gone by, or riding a horse, or um, standing in a grocery store line, or doing the laundry, or whatever, you would do something where you're kind of mentally disconnecting, and there would be this mental free space that humanity would have. And what he said with the smartphone is, because of it's wireless and it's constantly connected, now even those times that always for, for almost 6,000 years of human existence have been mental free space, for the first time in human history, those times between activities are even filled with information and stimulation. And that for the most people, the only time that they ever get disconnected is when they sleep. And we find in America that we don't sleep very well. And a lot of times it's because we're actually still connected to stuff. The TV's playing. Music is playing. Something's always going on. And there's an article back then we looked at said that this elimination of silence and mental free space is the time, that's the time that we would normally, humanity for all of history, that's a time that we would think and we would wonder and we would imagine and we would process. And that He said, this was a quote, that it has removed the very stillness. And it's not a Christian man who wrote this article. But he talked about the church a lot, how the church has given this up. It has removed the very stillness in which faith might endure or be reborn. He said that our constant connection, remember, we're not criticizing technology. We're just saying, are we giving ourselves any mental free space? Where we can have, we can think and wonder and imagine or process. And as he would say it this way, and we where because if we don't, the place, it's been what's been removed is the very stillness in which faith might endure or be reborn, where we might actually connect with the Christ of Christmas. In other words, we are living in such a noisy, continually connected age that we are being robbed. Friends, think of it this way. When you turn that thing on every minute, you're actually being robbed of the silence and mental free space that you need to experience God. If you want to have a connected Christmas, a constant connection to media is literally robbing you. It's stealing from you your ability to be connected to God. And our, want to air quote, addiction to constant external stimulation is robbing us of those moments of quiet and stillness where humanity meets God. It's robbing us. And friends, and it's robbing us of our genuine human-to-human interaction where we see and experience the reality of the image of God in other people. Anybody see the, the Will Farrell public service announcements on cell phone use? Somebody sent them to me this week because they know I was preaching on. I didn't even know they're out there. I don't know if they're on TV. I saw them on the internet. Maybe they're played on the internet. And it's him in every situation. At, at sitting at the dinner table on his smartphone, and the family is trying to get his attention. And he's never, he's never paying attention to the family because he's doing this the whole time. And at one point, he's going this, like, like, like. He's saying it out loud. Like, 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 like. Oh, just give me five more minutes. Like, 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 like. And the family's waiting to eat. You know, and then one of them, he's saying they're all mourning. You think the dad is dead? They're all mourning. Remember what dad used to be like before? You know, they're all talking about. You think he died? And all of a sudden they pan over, and there's dad at the table, playing on his on a cell phone. You know, friends. Constant connection is robbing us of our genuine human to human interaction, where we see and experience the reality of the image of God in other people. It's robbing us. I don't like to be robbed. But you know what else it's robbing us of? And I think, I, I remember thinking of this one back in January, and, and the author of the article didn't say this, but it hit me. This is maybe the, one of the greatest things it's robbing us of. It's robbing us of the gift of experiencing mental and spiritual and emotional discomfort. We live in a culture that never wants to feel uncomfortable. And I'm telling you, that robs us as humans. If you never feel uncomfortable, you will never change and grow. Discomfort is meant to push us to search for answers and to force us to cry out to God and cause us to abandon less meaningful and unimportant involvements in order to search for and find the more meaningful and the more important things in life. Discomfort does that. And we live in a culture right now where we rarely feel or live in discomfort. Why? Because we allow constant activity and continual stimulation to distract us. You feel uncomfortable for one second and you pull your smartphone out. And so do I. I found myself reasoning because this reminds me again. I'm like, how come every time I have a minute I pull out my, my smartphone? Why? It's robbing me. Sometimes I'm just feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling. I mean, I'm alone. I'm mean, standing there, and there's, there's a lot of people around me. I'm in a store. You go. That doesn't bother you? Yeah, it does. And I go. Boy, if I just do this, now I'm in my own world. It robs us of some discomfort, but especially robs us when God's trying to communicate with us. He's trying to put us in a situation that's going to cause us some pain. So that we, don't, we say, that, you know that's the thing about pain is to say the, the only way you'll change if the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And a lot of times we don't ever grow and change because we don't allow discomfort into our lives and we can do that by constantly distracting ourselves. So we never experience discomfort. We just constantly get distracted. And if we are distracted from discomfort, we are robbed of growth and discovery. So what's our hope for the Christmas season this year at Portview? Our hope is that we would all evaluate our level of connection to media. In particular, we evaluate our use of smartphones. But I would say there's any media that causes external stimulation and fills up all your mental free space. Countless lost hours just watching nothingness on TV or scrolling through Facebook or Twitter. And then what we would do when we evaluate honestly, not with condemnation, but with hope for getting, having a more connected Christmas, we then would choose to replace some of the time, usually given to meaningless distraction, we'd replace it with meaningful activity. That's what our hope is for, for a connected Christmas. That's what we're going to be talking about for the month of December. Making a change. Changing, choosing, Meaningful activity over meaningless distraction. Now obviously some of that meaningful activity should be time connected with the Lord Jesus through his word. Pastor Mitch is going to talk about that in in one of the weeks. And the other meaningful activities obviously will involve some type of spiritual exercises, prayer and other things. And Suzanne and I will be talking about that on Christmas Eve day. But in addition to these activities, we are also providing everybody in church who wants one with what we call a connected Christmas resource pack. They're going to be available at the church on a table right outside in the Connection Center. We decided this year to do something. was interesting is it wasn't received well in our Wednesday night classes. We decided to not have church on Wednesday nights and we were super happy because we thought everybody would just jump at it. And when we announced it in our classes, people were moaning. Really? Are you kidding me? We're not going to have church in December on Wednesday nights? And we're, we're like, wow, I guess we missed the ball on this one. People, we thought they'd want off, but they're like, no, we want to be here. But we did it for a reason, and we're never going to do it again. <laughs> we decided that. We're not going to do it again. Um, is that we wanted to take to create some more free space for people. And, and we know if your schedule's already booked up, and you've got this and money and that's and a lot of you have Wednesday nights booked, because at church, we could clear your calendar for you by saying for four weeks we don't have anything on Wednesday nights. And I know there's some kids' activities and stuff going on. Um, and some classes, I think, are still even meeting. But usually we have Wednesday evening activities. Instead, we're going to encourage you to use that time to do some of the activities as families and as connect groups and as just friends that are found in the, in the packets that we're giving out that you can get after church if you want. Each week what we're going to do is we're going to su- suggest that you might want to um, do some of these as a way of replacing meaningless distraction for meaningful activity. And so this week I'm going to recommend, you're going to have these in a little while, two of the activities that are in the packet. And so they're going to come like this. There's going to be cards, or this is a page, I'll explain this one in a minute. And there's going to be, there's going to be suggestions on what you could do um, to replace, especially you could use Wednesday night or any other time. Say, okay, I have some tape. I have some free space now. How can I choose a good activity, a meaningful activity over a meaningless activity? So you turn the TVs off, you put your smartphones in a basket, so you're not doing this while you're doing this, because that's not really doing this. And you do something. So the first one I'm going to suggest is that you do you watch a short, and you're going to say with media. No, it's media with a purpose. A lot, so a lot of some ladies have media. You're going to watch a short Movie that's just been released fairly recently. It's thirty minutes long, called Godspeed. And Godspeed is it's about the life of a pastor. So, but you don't have to be a pastor to watch it. And the two main teachers in it are Eugene Peterson and N. T. Wright. And you know who Eugene Peterson is you all love your your um, Message Bible, the author of the Message Bible, and a, and a great uh, theologian in and Bible and a professor. And N. T. Wright, who's probably the leading New Testament scholar in the world today who's over in England, I think. And what they do is they go through, the idea is, what is God's speed in the world? The conclusion is this, God's speed is about three miles an hour. That's how fast we walk. And that up until this last century, people lived differently. And it's a challenge, and it's, it's a very honest challenge It says, and I don't know how you can accomplish this, but they film it over in... Um, in Scotland, where this guy goes to seminary. It's basically the story of his life, how he went there. And it's a short little video. It's so good that I've had Suzanne watch it. I've watched it a number of times. We've played it in our Wednesday night class. I've sent it to the staff, and I said, this is awesome. You have to watch this video, because it's just so challenging to me in a high-paced world of a guy trying to figure out how do I do it in America. He goes to Scotland to learn how he can live a different style of life and then come back and he moves, moves to Washington State, how do I try to do it in America? And so Godspeed, and what's on here is, Godspeed is, a, there's a link on here to how you can get to it on the internet. And it's not on, it's not on YouTube, so it's a link how you can get to it. And I really recommend that you watch, you take 30 minutes to watch it and then there's questions and conversations you can have in the back of the card about that short little video. It'd be the best use of 30 minutes or an hour of your time that you're going to do this week. And so that's the first one I'd recommend. The second one is an, an opportunity to talk about or evaluate your, your media use in your family and your life. And it's, it's designed for families, but obviously a single person could do the same thing. But it's going to talk about how to have a connected Christmas, and it's called a family contract. And it's, talk about, it's talking about it. Um, you know, it's all different things saying, let's talk about it in our family. How does our family actually structure this stuff? Do we even have an idea on what we do? Do mom and dad know your kids' passwords? Do they know what you're looking at? All kinds of stuff. It's not super intrusive, but it is a way for you as a family to evaluate. And then what you do is you, moms, dads, everybody, then you, there's kind of some suggest, suggestions and there's a pledge you can sign as a family. And say, hey, this is what we want to do in our home. And so it's a way of saying, cause here's what we do a lot of times. We say, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's all rotten. It's terrible. It's just the way it is. Well, here's the deal. You can have that attitude. Where you can say, well, I can't change the world, but I can change my world. And you're not going to change your world until you honestly evaluate where you're at. And so that's a way to help you evaluate where you're at. So what's our goal? Helping every one of us, starting with me, replace meaningless distraction, starting with the cell phone, But if you fill your life with meaningless activity to the point of not having mental free space so you can connect with God, there is no way you can have a connected Christmas. And then the intention that God had in condescending and incarnating is completely lost. And why would Jesus have come in the first place? If it's just for a bunch of people to be religious and sing songs. The purpose of Christmas is to remind us there's something more important that the Lord Jesus Christ condescended and incarnated so that we could have a connected relationship with him. Let's not miss that this holiday season. We can laugh about goats and laugh about whatever. That's all right. But let's not miss that this season. Now, you don't have to take any of the suggestions we give you in these connected, Connected Christmas Resource Packs. That's all right. Just do something. If you say, I don't know what to do, take a pack. We run out of packs, we'll make more packs. So, our hope is that we can all of us can have a more connected Christmas, so that the reality of Emmanuel, God with us, will be experienced in all of our homes. Because friends, here's truth: God is with us. That's the truth, and we can be connected to Him but we got to be still for a moment, many moments, and know that He is God. Amen? Why don't you stand with me so we can pray. Father, a connected Christmas. Um, Lord, one of the most amazing things you've spoken to me recently on a a prayer retreat is is I spent so much time in Psalm 103. Psalm 103, part way down, it says, you know our frame, and another translation says, you know where we came from. You know our frame that we are but dust. And the whole psalm is talking about how we, that you're gracious with us and kind toward us and you're long-suffering and you don't hold our sins against us. And it says the reason is, is you know where we came from. And Lord, there's a lot of times in our lives we forget that. That we think that you're mad at us because you're looking and saying, come on, try harder. Do better. What you're really saying is, I know where you came from and you're just dust. And when, when, the, when these people, when we gather together in your name and we celebrate and we worship and we open our hearts and we say, change us, you are cheering. You're cheering. Because you know where we came from. You know that we're just dust. You made us out of the dust. You know our beginnings. And you're amazed at your people when, when, when some people on this planet actually say yes to you. When you started this whole thing so that all people would have a connected relationship with you, but, but most don't. You offer it to all, but then when, when we hear your voice and we respond and we say yes, Lord, that you, Lord, you, you, you celebrate. And so, Lord, this... Christmas season our hope for our church my hope for me and for everyone in my Porky family is that amidst the hustle and bustle and we're trying to streamline our activities here so that we don't become part of the problem instead we become part of the solution that we can put away some things that are meaningless and time wasting and spend some of that time just being with you, developing the habit of just sitting with you, developing the habit of spending some time in your Word. Maybe some people will leave and they'll spend they'll spend thirty minutes just reading and rereading Psalm one hundred three today, and just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to them. Because Lord, it's when I sat with Psalm one hundred three for hours one day that I noticed those couple of verses that I have read a hundred times and never seen before. You spoke and you said, "Mark." I know where you came from. You're just dust. I don't have all that high of expectations. I know where you came from. I can do amazing things in you, but it's not about you trying harder. It's about me in you. I'm your hope of glory. And that's what you could speak to someone else or some other thing to someone else for what they needed at that time. But it won't happen if we're spending our time doing meaningless distractions. And so, Lord just pray this as we, as we close today would you help us because, we're, because we have bad habits we distract ourselves with so many activities and, and a lot of things we think are important we have we have recreation that we just live and die for we structure our whole life around a particular event or activity a, a, a recreational thing we like to do and everything in our life screams about that our money is spent on it help us see that a lot of those things are just distracting us from the better the best which is having a real connection with Emmanuel who condescended and incarnated for us help us to experience you in that that incarnated way today So Lord, speak to our hearts, challenge us, make us a little bit uncomfortable so that we can have a connected Christmas and have the best of what you offer. I thank you, Jesus.